If you're into business podcasts or online business websites, you've probably heard of Pat Flynn, the host of Smart Passive Income and a blogger at smartpassiveincome.com. But have you heard a story of losing his job in 2008 like so many other Americans and what he did to catapult his entrepreneurial career after that job loss? Today, Pat shares his candid experience of job loss, how he picked himself back up after that blow, and decided to take action, and where that action has led him over the past 11 years. He shares some incredible wisdom and inspiring advice for anyone who feels a little timid about what they might have to offer the online world, how you don't have to be the most credentialed expert in your field, and even how that might help you have an advantage to be just a step or two ahead of someone else wanting to do what you've done. I came away totally inspired from this interview, and I know you guys are going to walk away uplifted and inspired too. All right, today, you guys, I have a very special guest with me, and this is the host of the second podcast I ever listened to, and his name is Pat Flynn. He has raving fans all over the world. He's an amazing entrepreneur and just an overall really good guy. So Pat, tell us who you are and what you're all about. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Uh, My name is Pat Flynn. I live in San Diego, California. First and foremost, I'm a husband and a father of two young kids here, nine and seven, and just I have built my life around the family, uh, including the work that I do in the business. And that means that I run online businesses that sort of work for me, which is really cool. It took a lot of time and effort to set those things up. I'm sure I'm going to dig into those stories a little bit. But now I'm able to, for example, uh, with my wife, walk the kids to school every day and pick them up. And we're one of the only sets of parents that's able to do that. We're able to, you know, go to Target on Tuesday at one o'clock together when there's parking available and, you know, the things are still there uh, because yes. because we can. We could take a weekend trip to Disneyland if we want, just, you know, because we can. And if the kids are off on Tuesday, there's no problem in having me do that too. So I have a lot of time and, 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 and freedom uh, to do what I want. And that is to be with my family first and foremost. But at the same time, I'm also sharing very openly online uh, how I do that. And that is through building businesses. And I, I do this sort of as experiments. Uh, they don't always go well, but I always show people how I run my businesses, the new businesses that I create. And um, it's always a lesson for everybody. And my, my job is to inspire the world to show you that you have superpowers that would be something that people would pay for to have access to your knowledge, your experience, your wisdom, and um, and have it be a win for everybody. And, and that's what I do now. And now I, I have a podcast of my own called Smart Passive Income. We just passed, I think, 65 million downloads, which is kind of insane. Wow. Um, kind, of, kind of incredible. Uh, I have three published books. I have uh, the opportunity to do keynote speaking around the world. And, and most of all, just connect with people who need a little bit of help and motivation and a boost and sort of, well, what do I do? How do I, how do I get out of this job that I hate? How do I, you know, generate a side income so I can go on that vacation I always wanted to go on, those kinds of things. So I'm just, I'm just here to serve. You know, the world has done, uh, and God has done so many amazing things for me in my life. And I just want to pay it forward uh, for everybody else who needs that help too. So cool. And, you know, such an inspiring story too. I want to start off with that. So you didn't start with 65 million people downloading your podcast or you didn't just walk into success, right? Where did it all start (laughs) in 2008? I mean, I know the story, but a lot of people don't. You do know the story. I could tell. Uh, June 17th, 2008, I was uh, a very, very successful up and coming architect. Actually, I went to school for architecture, graduated magna cum laude, you know, ever since I was growing up, I did everything the way I was supposed to, the way I was taught to, got the good grades, did all the extracurriculars, went to a great college, got a great job after that, was about to build a family. I just proposed to my girlfriend and we were going to get married. 
and uh, had this wonderful job that I thought it was going to be secure. Uh, and, and I thought I was going to be an architect for the rest of my life. But I walked into my boss's office that day and he said, Pat, you know, this recession thing, I just, we can't keep people any longer and we have to start letting people go. And unfortunately, we have to let you go and, and we're sorry. And it was just a terrible moment for me because I had aspirations to become a world famous architect and this dream job that I had uh, and then I received after I got uh, my degree just got taken away from me in an instant. And this timing was like, again, after I just proposed to my girlfriend and just things were going downhill from there. I called every single person I knew in the architecture space to see if there was any sort of jobs that were available. Nobody was hiring. Nobody was designing anything at the time. There was no money. And so I just kind of got added to the statistic of people who had lost their jobs at that time. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have a plan B because I was dedicating everything to plan A and doing everything the way I was supposed to. So I remember going home and then uh, my fiance came in uh, from her apartment after she heard it. I lost my job and we just cried. And, and, and I remember for several uh, hours and eventually uh, she was just like, you know what? It doesn't matter what's going to happen. We're going to be okay. I'm here for you and, and I'm, I support you no matter what happens. And that was huge for me to, to, to have somebody who in one of the darkest times of my life because I had this dream to still know that she was going to be there for me no matter what. Because she didn't sign up for me to get laid off, obviously. And I was worried about right. what she was going to say. I was worried about what my parents were going to say because they paid my way through college. I was worried about disappointing them. Um, so I did Possibly what- Possibly her parents too. Her parents too, right? Like, oh, you know, traditional Filipino, it's like, you know, you got to be secure, right? So anyway, mm-hmm. I was scared about a lot of things. So I did the only thing that I could think of doing that would take me away from the reality. And that was, I watched my favorite movie, Back to the Future. And I <laughs> watched it. it, I think 50 times. Uh, and, and the reason why I watched that movie was because it's not just my favorite movie, but I always had dreamt that there would be this thing, like a time machine that we could go back in time into. And it would, always gave me a little bit of hope that, well, maybe I could rewrite the story. Maybe I could work a little bit harder or do something different or, you know, change things. And the sad part of the story is, well, it's, it's, a, it's a fictional story. It's not true, right? So there is no time machine. There is no DeLorean that we could climb into and change things. But after just being somewhat depressed for a couple of weeks and not doing anything and just sitting on the bed doing nothing and, and just waiting for something to happen, I realized that, well, nothing was going to happen until I took action. And the story of Back to the Future is false, but there is some truth to some of the story. And I don't know if you've seen the movie before, but, uh, you know, Marty, I sure have. Marty McFly, you know, so Michael good. J. Fox, it is a great movie. He goes back in time, meets his parents. It's kind of interesting and uh, changes a few things and then comes back to where he was, hence the name Back to the Future, back to 1985. And then everything is different. Just a few little things that were different in the past changed the entire story. And the truth Mm -hmm. is that, well, we can't go back to the past and change things, but we can and we are writing our future right now. The actions that we take, the way that we handle situations, it is writing our future right now. So we have taken the DeLorean from the future and we're, we're in it right now. What do we want to do? How do we want our life to be in the future? And I realized that I needed to start doing something. And so I started to take action to decide, okay, well, where do I want to go next? And I got really lucky and I found a podcast where I heard an interview with a guy who was making six figures a year, helping people pass the project management exam, the PM exam. And that was a big light bulb moment for me. I'm so thankful I found Jason and Jeremy uh, who hosted that podcast and interviewed this guy because I had taken several exams as an architect myself that were very difficult. And I was like, mm. whoa, could I potentially take this knowledge I have about uh, one of the hardest exams and, and put it online and maybe help people? What do I got to lose? I, I don't have anything else to do. Let me give it a shot. And I really got to credit my layoff for helping me take action because the truth is if I didn't get laid off, I wouldn't have taken that action. It was the fact that I was being pressured to do something that, that, that allowed me to take these bold actions that were required to make this change. 
So to make a long story short, I put all this information that I had about this exam online. I got really active in forums in the architecture space and I started to become known as sort of the expert on this particular exam. I remember going into forums and people who were like asking questions about this exam. I would often see a follow-up to say, uh, from somebody else saying, hey, just wait till Pat signs on. He'll probably have the best answer for you. And what's interesting oh, about cool. this is I was not an expert on this topic. I did pass the exam and I mm. knew more than a lot of other people, but I barely passed the exam. It was one of the most difficult tests out there. So I know a lot of people want to start something, but you might think, well, I'm not qualified or who am I? You know, I'm, I didn't get a PhD and then I'm not an expert. But the truth is, and what I soon realized is that you don't have to have these crazy credentials and, you know, a PhD or anything in order to still help people. People want to be helped by people who are just a couple steps ahead of them. And that's where I was right. having just passed this exam. So I started to become sort of seen as an expert in that space. My website started to gain a lot of traction. It was getting posted everywhere. And then eventually later in the year, I published a study guide. So I took all this knowledge I had and I put it in a PDF file. I didn't even know how to do this. But um, I just wrote everything in Word, then converted it to a PDF file, and then sold it online on my website. And in that month, at the end of October, uh, October 2008, uh, it had generated $7,908.55 uh, from a $90 wow. ebook. And that was two and a half times more than I was making as an architect. I thought like the FBI was going to show up. <laughs> I was just... I just was so uncomfortable with this because I was just like, this is so weird. And how did this happen? Like I spent five years in architecture school. Then I went to architecture uh, to start my career. And here I was doing something that I didn't even think I was really qualified to do. Yet I was getting paid two and a half times more. Just didn't, just didn't feel right to me. But then the most amazing thing happened. I started to get all these emails from people who took the exam and passed thanks to me. And they were calling me by name. They're like, Pat, thank you so much. You helped me save loads of time. You helped me save so much money. Thank you. And I remember wow. as an architect, like I have my fingerprint on so many buildings around the US. Nobody will ever know. Most people don't yeah. even know who built the home that they sleep in. Uh, yet here I was helping people pass like this little tiny exam and I was getting, you know, praised for it. Uh, so not only was I making money, but I was getting thanked at the same time. And that was the big light bulb moment for me to go all in with entrepreneurship because I started to realize that I could have a massive change on the lives of individuals by helping them solve the little problems that they might have. And so I started to just dedicate more time to that. And then more and more people, especially in the architecture world, were like, how did you do that? Like you survived mm -hmm. and, and, and are now thriving after the recession? How? And so I built smartpassiveincome.com, which is where most people know me from now, where I just openly share, including how much money I make and where it all comes from, how I run my businesses and how I start new businesses. And, and since then, since 2008, I've started an iPhone app company, a number of different websites based off of food trucks and security guard training to a software company, to now uh, helping people start podcasts and those kinds of things. And all along the way, I just show people how it's done. And it's not always done pretty, but it's always done eventually. And people can learn from my mistakes along the way. And now I've since helped tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people uh, start their own thing and, and have the confidence to try and um, hopefully live a better and more fulfilled life. Again, I'm just so thankful I got laid off, even though it was the most depressing time of my life. on a couple of things that you brought up. So first of all, I love that you talked about how you didn't have to be the highest expertise person. I don't even know what that's called. You, you didn't have to be like the most 
expert of all the experts, mm-hmm. right, to do what you do. And I feel like you teach that masterfully in your courses and in your podcast. And talk to me a little bit about what you've seen as you've mentored people and taught people to surpass that fear of, well, what if I don't know the most? Or if, what, what if I'm not the best? Or what if there's someone else out there better than me? A lot of times we like to look at just the list of, well, our accomplishments to Mm -hmm. compare, well, I guess we're not good enough, as good as that other person. But the truth is that a lot of people want to learn from people who are just a couple steps ahead. And the truth Mm -hmm. is, if you know something more than somebody else, to them, you have the answers. And the other thing about this is, and this proves it too, people want to learn from people that are more just like them versus you know, the, yes. big, the big companies or somebody who's way, you know, way too qualified. And, and a good example of this is I have a podcast and one episode, episode 122, uh, features two people, a couple from Kentucky, Shane and Jocelyn Sams. You've probably never heard of them before, but there are two people who listen to my show who started a million dollar business after taking action. And that episode has more downloads than both Gary Vaynerchuk's episode and Tim Ferriss's episode when they were guests on my show combined. Wow. Wow, resonate more with people who are just like them. And if you had Mm -hmm. just like, let's say, for example, that you were in debt and you just are finding your way out of it and uh, you want to help others do the same thing. It might seem crazy that people are following you, even though you are still in debt, to learn how to get out of debt. It's like, why would I follow you? Because you were in debt, like you're not good with money, obviously, and and now you're trying to get out of it. But it's funny because a lot of the most popular personal finance sites are with people who are very open about the fact that they are massively in debt, but they're trying to get out of it because people mm. can relate to them. And it's relatable, yeah. Exactly. And, and I have a good friend, his name is Adam Baker, who has since moved on from this blog, but it was called Man Versus Debt. And he was mm. in debt with his family and he paid off you know, tens of thousands of dollars over the course of three years. And he gained this massive following because he was showing people how he did it too. It was the documentation process was the thing that people were following. And I did kind of the same thing with my lead exam website, showing people how I learned about the exam, a lot of the tricks I was implementing and and how I memorized all these things. And people really resonated with that. And the big thing for me that really proved this to me was when in May of 2009, the company that writes the exam questions came out with their own study guide. They didn't have one before and they came out with their own. And I was like, all right, my business is done for. Why would anybody buy from me when they could buy from the people who actually write the questions for the exam? It doesn't make mm-hmm. sense why anybody would do that. That right. was my most profitable month ever. I had more customers that month than in any other month. And here's why. Really? Because people found that they, they, they you know, emails were sent out to everybody who was signed up to take the exam. It's like, hey, here's our study guide. It's $200 and it's going to help you. And then people started to do research because I asked my customers, why did you buy from me versus everybody else? And they're like, well, I found, you know, I saw the, the United States Green Building Council's study guide, but then I found you and I was like, hey, you're just like me. Like I could relate to you more and I felt like I wanted to learn from somebody like you versus, you know, this faceless company. So in addition to the knowledge that you have and the experience that you have, even if you're just a couple steps ahead of somebody, people want to learn from people just like them. So this is why when I teach business, it's the, the first part of it is to understand who is in your target market, what are their problems, like have conversations with them, talk to them, get to know them. Because if you can know them better than often they know themselves, then they're going to automatically assume that you have the solution. If you get a person to go, oh my gosh, you get me, you understand me. Well, then they're going to continue to come back for you for advice, for help. And that could potentially lead to, you know, a business down the road. So cool. That's really inspiring and really, I think, applicable information for everybody to feel like I do have something to offer 
someone else. And I love that your business is so service-based. You're always thinking about how can I serve my audience? How can I help them? Mm -hmm. Not how can I get something from them? And I think that really reflects in everything that you do. So, Thank you. And I, that was something that I was drawn to when I first found Smart Passive Income. Serve first is a, is a mantra of mine for sure because your earnings are a byproduct of how well you serve your audience. Mm -hmm. And that's what I teach. The other thing about this is like, oh, well, you know, you might think that you have this special knowledge, but there's not really many people out there in the world that you can help. A lot of people who want to start a business want to create the next Uber, or the next fidget spinner, the thing that changes the entire world. But what I've learned is, again, my, my successful business that I started with was in a niche within a niche within the niche. It mm -hmm. was in architecture, but it was people who wanted to, you know, enhance their careers. But in that, it was this little exam about helping people with sustain, sustainable design and, and environmentalism in the architecture space. That's what the exam was about. So small. And I got inspired when I was first doing my business by an article that a man named Kevin Kelly wrote, and it's called A Thousand True Fans. And this article was so inspiring because it made me realize that, and he says this, you don't need a blockbuster hit to create something incredible and, and, and something that can support your life and help many others too. You don't have to change the entire world. You just have to change somebody's world where there's a little pocket of people out there. And, and he, he wrote this article for musicians and artists and, and entrepreneurs. And he basically, there's math behind it. If you have a true fan of you and your work, your creative, your, your art, whatever it is, and a true fan is defined as somebody who, if you're a musician, you know, they're going to drive eight hours to come listen to your gig. If you have, you know, if you're an artist, they're going to be first in line to just be at your gallery, right? Uh, mm -hmm. if, if you are an entrepreneur, they're going to be somebody who's going to be on your email list, replying to every email, commenting on every post, showing up for every Facebook Live, those kinds of things. Those are super fans. And the most important thing to realize is that these people will invest in you. And so let's say, for example, they invest $100 a year in you, in your work, your art, whatever. That's on the low end. $100 a year is less than $10 a month. So we're being very conservative here. 100 mm -hmm. times 1,000 true fans is $100,000. There's your six-figure business right there. And so I always ask myself at the end of every day, like, have I earned a new fan today? Because when it comes down to it, that's, that's a fan a day for less than three years. That's 1,000 true fans. Can you imagine building a six-figure business in uh, less than three years by focusing on helping one single person a day and earning a fan? It's definitely possible. And, and this article was so inspiring because it, it was like, wow, this is actually doable. It's actually achievable because we can create these businesses that serve these targeted audiences and, and it can be great for all parties involved. That's so cool. And I've actually been listening to your latest book, Superfans. Thank you. And you go into this whole concept of how to create the superfan. So speaking of that, I wanted to ask you about something that I actually was listening to you talk about. You briefly brushed over it uh, a second ago when you said that you discovered a podcast that really inspired you to start your first online business. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that in Superfans, you talk about how those guys, you ended up being in a mastermind with them, right? Is that correct? That is true. This is Jason and Jeremy, who were the hosts of Internet Business Mastery, a show that I just got completely obsessed with. I was listening to four or five hours of their stuff a day, which is kind of the cool thing that can happen when you have a podcast. I'm sure a lot of your mm -hmm. listeners, you know, binge listen to podcasts in, uh, in the same kind of way. You, you develop a relationship with the, totally. the hosts, uh, and, and I did with them. And then one of them came to San Diego, and which is where I'm from. And uh, just had put in a little forum somewhere like, hey, anybody in San Diego, like, let's meet up. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I can actually meet this host. Like, I started a, like, they were like a celebrity to me, right? But then I yeah. went out to this, to this meeting and there was like 10 of us there. And 
I was apparently in this thing called the little mastermind session. And what that was, was a little group where it was sort of a focused discussion around each person's business and everybody was there to sort of support each person individually for like a 10 to 15 minute period. So we kind of went around the circle and I remember when it was like my turn, I was getting so, so scared and nervous and sweaty palms and <laughs> I'm an introvert just by nature. So I was like, what am I going to say? And this was right when I was starting this lead exam website. I joined this group and then uh, joined the group online too so we could continue these conversations later. But at that meetup, I remember it was my turn and I was like, yeah, hey, my name's Pat and you know, I'm trying to build this website to help people pass the architectural uh, exam here. And, you know, I don't really have much else to say because I just, I, I just started and everybody was, everybody had their businesses and they were running it already, uh, already. So I didn't, I didn't feel like I didn't want to waste anybody's time. But then they were all so helpful and like, okay, well, tell, tell me more about your business. Like, what's your offer? And, 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 and what are their, what are their goals? And then eventually that led to Jeremy saying, dude, you gotta, you gotta publish like a study guide or something. And I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't, you know, doesn't it cost a lot of money to print a book and, and do all those things? And I'm not like, who am I to do that? And they're like, no, just write an ebook. And I was like, I don't, what, I, what's an ebook? I have no idea what that means. <laughs> um, and so I, like they, they were so helpful. And eventually they were like, just write it on Word, turn it into a PDF and then use this tool to sell it on your website. And I did that and that literally changed everything. And it was that in-person meeting. It was, it was a number of things, right? It was like discovering this podcast getting encouragement and then listening to somebody who had done it already. So that this guy, uh, Cornelius, who was the guy who was teaching people how to pass a project management exam. So when I teach business to others, I go, okay, find somebody who's done it before and, mm -hmm. and find out from them that number one, that this is possible. A lot of people go, well, this is impossible. Well, if you can find somebody that's done it before, it's going to remove that, uh, that thought in your head. It is possible. And then you can sort of slowly work toward that direction. And the mentorship and the help that I got along the way was so key, which is why I'm very honest and open with a lot of my advice online, because I can become that, that mentor, less so on an individual level, but, but definitely on a scalable level through my show. Um, and I can help people in the same way too and pay it forward. Totally. And I consider you one of my mentors because Thank I you. binge listened to Smart Passive Income when I first started my, I was, you know, in the beginning stages of my blog and trying to figure things out online. And it was super helpful to me. So now I want to ask you about something that I think that you exemplify and you probably, I don't know that you advertise yourself as this, but I definitely identify you as this. And I think you are someone with the abundance mentality. So I want to talk about that for a second and people who feel like, Either there's too many other people already doing the same thing, or if someone else starts doing what I'm doing, then they're going to take away from me. What's your take on that? Because I feel like you're really, really good at that. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely come from an abundance mindset where, you know, there's enough to go around. And number okay. two, even if somebody else were to create something different, it's not going to be exactly the same because I am 100% me. You are 100% you. Nobody's like us. And, and people will want to learn from the individuals that they want, want to connect with. So I'm more of the, on, in the camp of, for example, I'm not the only one with a podcasting course, right? I have a podcasting course and so do many other people. And I'm like, hey, here's what differentiates mine from the others. It's smart to have sort of a unique selling proposition when you're selling something so that people can make an informed decision. But it's never about like, oh, theirs aren't good and mine's better. It's like, here's what I can offer you. Here's the kind mm -hmm. of person I am. If that resonates with you, come learn from me. If you're more in the camp of learning in a more hands-holding kind of way with, you know, direct access for 20, you know, for two weeks specifically with somebody and you need somebody looking over your shoulder the entire time, well then go to that person because that's what they have to offer you. And I think there's enough for all of us. Um, when it comes to competitors, like I don't even see people as competitors. I see people as partners potentially or complementary. And then I, honestly, if I feel that there is somebody who could 
come up and create something that I did and, and perhaps, you know, take some of my business, if you want to call it that, well, then I'm likely not doing a good enough job on my end to put myself into the equation or to uh, have, have, you know, specific um, things that are involved with it and unique identifiers that will have a person go, oh, well, that's obviously Pat's because it does this, right? Mm-hmm. And so I yeah. think, I think we can all just live a much happier, healthier, more fulfilled life when we come from a place of abundance because it's not, oh, look at that person. They're trying to take away from me. It's like, oh, that's really cool. They're trying to do something similar to me. Like they're taking inspiration. And so how can I even help them and, and, and allow them to create something that would support their life too? And then we can all benefit from each other. Like I love when another person creates a, another website like Smart Passive Income because I know that they're going to be very honest and authentic with their numbers. They're going to help more people in the entrepreneurship space. And guess what? they're going to have a number of people who follow them for them. But now guess what? I can have my podcast course perhaps promoted on their website and we can have, do a little bit of a, a, a partnership deal. And so we can actually add to each other instead of take away from each other. And I think that this is just something that is very necessary to have this kind of abundance mindset because it's very easy to get into these deep, dark holes where you just go like, mm-hmm. everybody's trying to take for me and you know, when that happens, you're not realizing the unique things that you have to offer. And we all have these unique things. I think a lot lot of people ask me, well, what's going to make my business different than others? It's like you, it's you, you, yes, (laughs) you are the, you are the thing that makes it different. Exactly. And, and business today is not done in a, in a B2B or B2C business to business, business to customer fashion. It's done in a, in a human to human fashion. And I think that, and, and it, this doesn't mean you have to always like be up front in your business or post what you're having for breakfast on Instagram every day. You know, you don't have to get to that level, but I think people want to know who's on the other end. And when people get to know you a little bit more, they're going to connect with you versus the others. This is why, you know, if you listen to my podcast, if you start listening to my show, you're, you're going to notice that in the first 15 seconds, there's going to be a fun little random fact mentioned about me by my voiceover guy. And I remember when I was pitching this idea to actually it was Jeremy and Jason, my podcast mentors back at the time, because mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted to start a show and they were like, Pat, like, I don't know, man, like you should probably just fast forward and go right into the content that they came there for. Like, why would you even have your voiceover guy read these fun little facts? But I knew that this would be a fun, interesting, unique way to connect with people. And now I go to conferences and people, the first thing they say, I'd never met them before. They'll come up to me and go, Pat, I listened to your show. By the way, I'm also... Filipino too. So I'm half Filipino and that's like one of the fun facts or, you know, somebody came up to me once and was like, Pat, I was in the marching band too. Like that's the first thing they say, the little thing that connected me to them based on their own experience. You've probably experienced this yourself. If you go to uh, an event and you speak to somebody, right? Like those initial conversations are, are very surface level with somebody that you've never met before. Like what's your name? Where are you from? When do you do? But then one of you will say something that the other person resonated with. Like maybe you're both parents or you both went to the same college and now you're like, connected and best friends and you hang out with each other the whole time, right? There's no reason why we can't offer these same kind of situations online either, which is why your personality is a big part of it. And, you know, um, being comfortable, obviously there's a, there's a line that you could cross and and you don't want to get uncomfortable, but I think being okay with being who you are and embracing your weirdness is, is really the idea here. I love that. And I've found a lot of success in my business too, one thing that um, a lot of people have tried to dissuade me from is being open about my faith. A lot of people have said, you're going to kill your business doing that. You can't talk about religion. You don't talk about a few things, politics, religion, and vaccinations. You know, I've heard that from a few people. And yet I feel like, you know, the first time I did talk about my faith, I lost a lot of, I lost like 3,000 followers the first time I dove into that category. But I feel like in the long run, it has 
strength in my business so much because whether people believe what I believe or not or whether they're in the same boat or not in Mm. that area of life, they know who I am and they know that I'm always exactly who I am for better or worse and whether people agree with it or not. And I think that, like you're saying, embrace your weirdness, whatever makes you unique and whatever you feel really passionate about. You know, I think those little things that sometimes people hesitate to differentiate themselves with can ironically be the thing that creates trust and creates bonds and creates just realness with people online, which is so hard to achieve sometimes. Yeah. And you know, sure, you lost 3000 followers, right? But you've gained a much stronger tribe as a result. Mm -hmm. And now as my buddy, Chris Ducker says, your vibe attracts your tribe. And you're going to attract more people who are going to resonate not just with you, but with each other too. And more connection in the community. And I, I think that's brilliant. So true. So you've been able to do really, really cool business things, which I feel like when I've heard you interviewed on other podcasts, a lot of times that's focused on is, you know, how much money you've made or how many people you've impacted, which is really cool. I want to ask you about some of the meaningful things that you've been able to do as a result of your business. And you touched on this in the very beginning about how you get to walk your kids to school or take impromptu vacations. I know you've done Pencils for Promise, which is a really cool avenue that your your business has gone into. So can you talk to me about some of those things that because of this job loss, your life has taken a really cool mm. path where you've been able to do some really meaningful things? Yeah. I mean, when I initially got laid off, my goal was just, well, I just need to survive, right? So mm-hmm. then I took those bold actions to get to that point where I was like, are we going to be okay? And, and, and then we got to a point where it was it was okay. And then it was like, okay, well, what can we do to thrive? How can we start to add a little bit more freedom to our lives? And for me as a business owner, that meant, you know, starting to hire people to do some of the work that I was doing. And, you know, we knew we were going to start a family. So really making sure that the business processes were in place such that I would still be available for the kids and the business could continue to run its, on its own. Um, so automation and software were really important to me. Um, but then like as more and more growth started to happen, as more and more money started to come in, you know, we don't drive Lamborghinis or, you know, we don't live in a 10 bedroom house or anything. Like we have what we have and we're so thankful for that. There's no reason to, you know, add more to it because we're, we're perfectly happy. And so mm-hmm. what uh, my wife and I have talked about is, is, well, what else can we do to help others who, who may need it now that we are in our place in life now where we're, we're really good. We want to help others too. And it started with, uh, an interview actually on my show with a guy named Adam Braun, who is the founder of Pencils of Promise. It's a uh, organization that helps build schools around the world to uh, help kids who don't have access to good education. And so I got really inspired by his story. And I was like, hey, how can we do something together? Because I just, I want to support your, your cause. And he was like, well, we, we make it really easy. And what I love about Pencils of uh, Promise is, is they do. Um, at the time, it was $25,000 to raise money, 25000 to build a school. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's awesome. Like we, we, we have that. We'd love to donate, but I also want to get my community involved too. So here's what we're going to do for my birthday this year. I think this was 2014. I was like, with my audience, I was like, hey guys, uh, remember that interview with Adam Braun? Well, we're going to do something fun here for my birthday. I don't want birthday wishes. I don't want thank yous. I want you to, even if it's a dollar, just promote to this campaign to help build a school in Ghana, Africa, because they, they really need help. That's where the campaigns are focused are right now. And like, check out these kids, like they don't have any education at all. They don't have any place to learn. And so if we raise $25,000 together as a community, my family and I will match that and we'll build two schools together. 
and and they did so it. Cool. The community stepped up and and they were able to raise twenty five thousand dollars. That was the at the time a record in terms of the number of people who supported a campaign for a school. I think we had three or four thousand people step up and donate a small amount, and then that combined. I mean, this is what happens when you have these fans in your community. You can do some amazing things together, and these things beyond just what you normally are known for. So they have a school in Ghana now, and we have a school as a family as well. And on the schools itself, there are plaques. One of them says, this school is brought to you here by and donated by the Flynn family. And the mm-hmm. other school says the same thing, but the SPI community. And it's really cool because now the SPI community gets some, you know, some recognition there. And the kids probably walk in and they're like, I don't even know what that means, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, it, what, what matters is now we've been able to do something sort of beyond what we even thought was possible. I've always wanted to do some philanthropy, but I thought I was going to have to wait till I was like 65 and retired and then had all this time. But now I have the time and have money. And so we wanted to give back even more. And now I'm starting to focus on education here back at home. And I'm really, really um, supportive of, of teaching kids entrepreneurship or the skills of entrepreneurship. I don't think it is my right to say all kids should be entrepreneurs, but it's definitely something that I believe in that in terms of kids should be learning the skills of an entrepreneur because that way they can have options. You, uh, when you yeah. learn entrepreneurship, you learn how to present ideas to people, which is such an important life skill. You learn how to deal with failure and mistakes and learn from them. You learn how to, uh, you, you learn how to work in groups and teams for a better cause. And I think that is relevant whether you become an entrepreneur or not. So I'm working really hard here at home and connecting with a lot of people and communities with a lot of influence to create programs and, and to, to inject education in, into schools. And my big, my big goal, my, the rest of my life, I want to dedicate to inserting entrepreneurship into schools, just like it's reading, science, math, arithmetic, all that stuff. I want entrepreneurship to be a subject that is learned and is required in schools as well, because those things will just teach life skills uh, that, that are so needed right now, especially with where the world is. And we're starting to see a lot of, you know, um, soft skills now is, are becoming very popular. You know, hard skills are things that, you know, are going to be outsourced and automated uh, at some point. But it's the soft skills, the stuff that are human only that I think are going to mean so much more. And, and a lot of entrepreneurship is about that. That's so cool. I, I mean, I hadn't even thought about that, having my kids learn that as a subject in school. So I love that you're an advocate for that. You're doing something for that. So speaking of teaching kids, how do you teach your kids about what has this job loss and your career path taught you that you then teach your children about? I know you mentioned in your book that I was listening to confidence and then maybe resiliency. What are some of the things that you teach them? Yeah, I mean, it's always leading by example and never telling the kids what to do, but showing them what to do. And so I uh, am somebody who really believes that, you know, entrepreneurship can bring people closer together, especially families. And so I get my kids involved. And, and, and that, the way that I do that is, you know, if they knock on the door here in my office and they want to come and like look at all the equipment that I have, I'm not going to go, no, don't touch anything. I'm like, come on in. Like, let me, like, you're interested. Let me show you everything that this is about. This is what this button does. This is what this thing do, does. This red button records your voice. Here, try it out yourself. And they get involved and they start to kind of understand how I do what I do. And then when it comes time for me to go, okay, guys, I have to record a podcast now. Like they know what that means and, and they'll give me space to do it. And they get excited and they want to do it too. My son and I actually have a podcast together called All of Your Beeswax that started because he was just interested in getting behind the microphone and telling some stories. 
And so uh, that's been out for, for a year now. And it's been awesome to see him sort of thrive and, and become a better communicator and become a better storyteller on the microphone. He's even now had the confidence to go up on stage. I have uh, an event in San Diego called FlynnCon, our first mm-hmm. big live event. And uh, my son delivered a seven-minute keynote. He's nine. Wow. He did the slides and the, the, the switching and the presentation all himself. And he was only able to do that because, number one, he knows that that's what I do too. And, you know, mm-hmm. kids, kids always want to do like the fun things that their parents do. And to offer him a platform to do that was really amazing. And I think that inspired a lot of the families that came to FlynnCon too. And then our daughter, it's like, she's involved too, because she wants to, to try these things. So, you know, we, um, in, and again, I just feel very blessed to be living where I am because they go to a school that's very entrepreneurial as well, which is like why I'm so big on that now, because I've seen what it's done for them. But for example, a couple of years ago, there was a hurricane that went through um, Port Aransas, Texas. It kind of just destroyed the city. Um, so what they did at the school was they uh, showed people kind of what happened and how they were dealing with it. And they even FaceTimed somebody who was walking through all the rubble and talking about how they were going to solve these problems. And they studied things like, you know, hurricanes and weather and programs to help in those sort of situations. But then my daughter came home and she was like, uh, I got to go to the garage and, and get some stuff. And I was like, okay. And then I see her take out this stuff. And then she goes back and goes outside and she starts yelling. And I'm like, what are, what's going on? So my, my wife and I peek out the window and she's creating a little fundraiser to help, you know, raise money for the people in Port Aransas, Texas. And she's doing that by like creating a mask station and, and her and her brother were out there and they were just like yelling, like help support Port Aransas, Texas. Like, and like to see them just get the courage to do that and go outside and start like promoting this was really encouraging. And I was also like looking outside, we live on a very not busy street. So mm-hmm. I was like, there's no foot traffic here. There's going to be no way that they're going to get customers. So this is going to be a good yeah. lesson, right? I'm going to tell them, you know, part of business is you need to be in a place where people are. Maybe we can go to the school tomorrow and talk to the principal there to see if we can do something like this after school, which is where people are. Mm-hmm. So I expect them to come back in and just get, you know, tired or whatever. But then 30 minutes go by and I'm like, where are they? Are they still out there? And mm-hmm. we go out and they have like two, three kids out there making masks. And I see like 15 bucks in their little jar. And I'm just like, mind blown. Like I, I literally start crying because I'm like, oh my gosh, like they got the inspiration to do this. And I, like my kids are making a difference. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and I was like, where did they like get this from? And I, you know, my wife and I were just talking and it's like, because we are all, we are both so open with how we do what we do and why things are the way they are. It's mm-hmm. like, they know, they know to do those things too. So for example, like when I go on a trip to go speak somewhere, I'm not just like, Hey, daddy's going on a business trip. I'm out. Right. That's what my dad said. And I was just like, Oh, okay. Work equals taking my parents away from me. No. Mm-hmm. What we do is we go, okay, here's where I'm going to speak. Here is who's going to be in the audience. And here's what I'm going to help them with. Here, check out my slides. Like, ch- like this, this was a really important one here because this is what a lot of people think. Do you get that? Okay, cool. Like this is, I'm going to Texas to, to speak to these people tomorrow. So I'm going to be leaving, but I'll be coming back. And so I'm going to help a lot of people. I'm going to come back and we're going to have a lot of fun. And so now when I go, they know that I'm not going and being taken away from them. I'm going to help and serve others. So just, again, an example of leading by example and, and, and getting them in on the process. And whether they want to become entrepreneurs or not, doesn't matter. Whatever they're interested in, we're going to support. But the idea is just to show them what their options are and, mm. and, and what's possible. And again, leading by example, never telling them what to do or why, uh, but showing them. That's so powerful. I don't think I've ever thought about telling my kids exactly 
where I'm going to speak or what I'm speaking on. I usually do the, okay, I'll be back in a few days. Be really good and I'll bring you a treat. You know, um, I mean, I we definitely do try to show our kids, you know, this is how this works. This is what the microphone is mm-hmm. and things like that. But that's a really cool, that's a powerful thought to teach them exactly what you're doing so they feel more connected and a part of everything that's going on. Um, and I love, I yeah, that's inspiring. That's cool. We're also really big on like, okay, Let's let's see how we can solve problems. And so, you know, when when I drop when we drop them off at school, we always go like, "Hey, go help somebody that needs some some help today." Mm-hmm. And it's always about serving others, right? And teaching them that like serving can be great, and that you don't always have to do it only when you get something back. You can just do it all the time. And yeah. and and uh, on top of that, we also are big proponents of just like you know, complaining is not necessarily going to help solve problems. It's okay to be frustrated. Mm-hmm. We teach them that. But complaining and, and getting other people upset with you when you're upset about something is not helpful. So we actually have a complaint jar where when they complain about something without trying to solve the problem first, we, you know, take some money from their piggy bank and put it in there. But then when, oh. they, <laughs> but when, they, when we see that they're actually actively trying to solve something that, you know, went wrong or didn't go right, then we go the opposite way and we, we give them some, some money. So it's just kind of reinforcing that idea that like, hey, you know what, let's, let's solve problems. Let's. But, and, and that's how, you know, great things happen and, and complaining doesn't really get us anywhere. But again, that mm-hmm. frust- you know, frustration and, and crying if something doesn't go the way that you want, that's totally fine. But then eventually you've got to kind of wipe away the tears and, and start to see what we can do from, from this point forward. That's really, really great parenting advice and some cool ideas there. Okay, I want to ask you, do you have a pinch me moment that you that comes to mind when you think about everything that's happened since that day in 2008 when you lost your job to now and mm-hmm. all of the things you've experienced? Have, has there been like a moment where you kind of opened your eyes and said, oh my gosh, this is, this is where I'm at now? Yeah, I mean, there's so many of those moments. I mean, that happens almost on the daily. Uh, my, my, we, we practice gratitude in our family. Uh, mm-hmm. I practice writing in my journal every day and, and starting with gratitude is really important. We sit down at dinner and we have the kids express sort of what they're thankful for in, the, in their lives and we practice that. So there's many moments every day where I think about those kinds of things. But one big one was, uh, this was later in 2009, going back in the, in the DeLorean and telling you more about the story. My boss, the one who let me go, called me up. And he was checking on me to see how things were. He was like, hey, Pat, I know we had a rough year last year. Just want to make sure you're okay. And I was like, actually, things are going really well. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, guess what happened? I uh, removed myself from the firm. So my boss started his own company. He was able to recruit some of my friends. The recession, we were coming out of it. And he said, we got some of our clients back because everybody's starting to build, uh, build things again. And we wanted to offer you a position to come back we're going to give you a 15% raise. We're going to give you your own office. And I want to pay for a year's rent for free for you to come back. And I was like, no thanks. And then I hung wow. up the phone and I was like, what did I just do? Why was that my default answer? And I started to think about that and I said, whoa, I'm on this new ladder now. And this is where I know I was meant to be. And so the fact that I turned that down was a big wow, like what just happened moment, but it really reinforced that, wow, I am now an entrepreneur and this is all in. You know, it's like, I I usually use this analogy of like climbing a ladder, right? When you're, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, you're, you're, you're climbing high as you can. And, you know, of course, the higher on the ladder you go and you look down, the tighter you grip, right? And the tighter you are there, it's hard to get off now. But here I was on the second ladder, moving up in the entrepreneurship space. And what I was doing, I was like kind of holding on to both ladders, right? It's impossible to climb a ladder if one leg is still on another ladder. 
right? And it wasn't until that moment, that was my moment of letting go from my corporate ladder and getting fully on, on the new entrepreneurship ladder so that I can climb higher and much faster and do bigger and better things. But for a while, I was sort of like straddling both, you know, and going. And it's hard to leave that safety net of, I know exactly what I'm making. I know I have benefits. I know that I can show up to work every day. Totally, totally. But I also considered, okay, well, I'll I'll have a lot more time freedom. I'm my own Mm -hmm. boss. I get to make my own decisions. And the big thing for me was if I fail, it will be my own fault versus Mm -hmm. I did everything right yet still got kicked out because of the economy or whatever, right? So I want to be in control of my future. And I knew that this new ladder I was climbing was going to be great for opening up new possibilities. There was no cap to what could potentially happen or what I could possibly do. Being in a secure job, great. But there's only so much that can happen there. And I, I knew I had bigger, uh, more important things to do, especially when it came to family and how, how we wanted to, to live and, and, and just how we wanted things to be. So cool. Well, you've offered us some really amazing, inspiring advice, some really great stories. This is going to be such a captive, captivating podcast episode for people to listen to. I like to ask the same question at the end of each interview. So I'm going to ask you now, if there's one message that people walk away from this interview remembering, what do you want that one message to be? You know, based on everything we talked about, I think, I think the big thing is, you know, sometimes you won't really know and you can't guarantee what will happen if you take certain actions, like if you wanted to start something new or if you wanted to you know, start a business, for example. But the truth is that nothing will happen unless you take action. And I think that that was the biggest thing. The, the, the layoff itself was the fire starter that mm-hmm. got me to consider these new things that I never even thought was possible that opened my eyes to possibilities, but also uh, in a way sort of made me do things outside of my comfort zone. You know, I was comfortable in architecture. And even if I didn't get laid off, I would probably be, you know, doing architecture today. And, you know, I'd probably be happy, but I definitely wouldn't have known about how much more there was there was out there for me and, and how much more I could do and how many more people I could serve. Uh, so the big thing is, you know, you're writing your future right now. What story do you want to tell your grandkids mm-hmm. about the actions that you're taking today? That is an awesome message. And I think that your your concept of the DeLorean and, you know, using it now to create your future is such a cool message. And um, I'm going to be thinking about it for a long time. So thanks so much for everything that you've shared today. If people are inspired and they want to follow your journey more, they want to consume more of your messages and your advice, where can they find you? Yeah, I mean, my main website is at smartpassiveincome.com. I also... I'm going to start blogging a little bit more at patflynn.com on my personal site, which I'll be talking a little bit more about family and, and, and those kinds of things and a lot of the bigger goals that I have there. Uh, but Pat Flynn on most social media platforms too, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Twitter, et cetera. So yeah, just happy to connect and just thanks again for your time and attention today. I appreciate you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Pat. And we'll put all of those links in the show notes too. So awesome. thanks again for your time. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.